The scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and the spiritual powers of evil in heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day, and after that you have done everything possible to still stand. So stand with the belt of truth around your waist, just as your, your breastplate, and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit all, all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of the Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. How are we to hold on to holy habits in a world where chaos is just all around us? You know, according to a Pew Research Center report, the United States is at the top of the conflict list of uh, advanced economies when it comes to social unity. Uh, in the workplace, 85% of respondents reported uh, a, significant, a significant problem due to conflicts, so much so that some companies say it has impacted their productivity. In our social world, uh, Americans say or report that they have as few as three close friends. And here we are at the end of this Holy Habit series where we've been challenging each other to, to have habits where we worship, where we serve, and where we grow together. Uh, much of what we have talked about over the past five to six weeks has been counter-cultural uh, to how, or counterintuitive to how we actually live our lives. So how can we stop following the culture and move toward following the way of Jesus. Uh, our story today comes from Paul's writings to the early church. Now, the second half of this letter uh, titled Ephesians attempts to answer the question for how we are to live our lives in a world that's full of chaos and conflict. Uh, the, the scripture that Wesley read for you comes from the last chapter of the letter. Uh, here, Paul makes a shift in how he's talking to the people. He moves from individual, each of you, to addressing the whole body of Christ. Uh, here is what Paul says to start this passage Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness. He has great uh, speech, doesn't he? And spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Now, Paul here is using a warlike metaphor to describe how people can overcome 
a chaotic culture around them. You see, the people during this time are experiencing lots of conflict. Uh, They're trying to maintain unity amongst a diverse group of believers. They're they're trying to resist false teachings. And and they're trying to live in in a new way as as Christians in a a non-Christian society. That doesn't sound familiar at all, does it? You know, one of my favorite uh, Christian thinkers of our time is Frederick Buechner, who his writings have been uh, equated to the writings or compared to the writings of C.S. Lewis. In unpacking this passage, Buechner argues that there are two wars in which we fight. The first war is a war of conflict. Now, this is a battle when somebody wins and somebody loses. This is the kind of war that happens when we're trying to find our place in the world and we'll do whatever it takes to get it, even if it hurts somebody else. This is a a war that pursues earthly things. And in this kind of conflict, we use the weapons of deceit, pride, and selfishness. Buechner goes on to say there's a second type of battle that's not a battle for conquest, but rather a battle for peace. A type of peace that only comes through a relationship with God and each other. It's a battle for shalom, for desiring a peace for all people. In this war, we use the weapons of truth, humility, and goodness. Now, Paul is talking about this second battle in this passage, a fight for shalom. He tells them to put on God's armor in order that they can be the people that God knows that they can be. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement in the 1700s, we've talked about this from time to time during this series, would have called these things the means of grace, the things that help us encounter God. Now, Wesley urged Methodist people to become perfect, move on to perfection. Now, he didn't intend, I don't think, for for people to never mess up, but rather he intended to move people toward a state of harmony, a being of harmony with God and neighbor. A better word for perfection in our time is wholeness. Wholeness is when we embody the way of Jesus and living in a way in which we're growing in our spiritual journey. Paul put it, put on the armor of God. Wesley talked about participating in the means of grace. And in all January and the first part of February, we've been talking about building holy habits. Investing in holy habits guides us to wholeness, even when life is chaotic. Now, Paul points to several ways in which we can become the people in church that God knows that we can be. 
Uh, let's look at Ephesians 6.14. It says, so stand with the belt of truth around your waist, just as your breastplate. The church is being encouraged here to have a habit of standing up for the truth, for standing up and living in a way that is honest. This means that we are to be people that strive for justice. Now, in some translations, they, they use the word righteousness for justice. We are to be people who stand up for what is right. And we speak up when we see something that is wrong. He goes on to say in verse 15, put shoes on your feet so that you're ready to spread the good news of peace. The letter is telling the church that wherever they go, they are to be people who spread peace to the world around them. This peace is the good news that the way of Jesus is for all people. It's more than just preaching it. It's about living our life, having a habit of living in a way that is not a way of conquest of us and them, but a way of peace. In verse uh, 16, above all, carry the shield of faith, so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here, Paul is acknowledging that we live in an in-between time. We live in the now, but not yet. We have new life in Christ, but yet we live in a world that is broken and sometimes dangerous. You know, what keeps us going is having that faith that God's gonna do what God set out to do. A faith that the worst thing that happens is never the last thing that happens. And by using uh, the metaphor of a shield for faith, Paul is telling the church that we do this together. You know, Roman soldiers would have a tactic they would use when they were under attack where they would interlock their shields, which would give them better protection for the flaming arrows that were coming their way. Paul was telling them to stick together. Uh, lastly, in verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Now, what he's referring to is the helmet of salvation. He's saying, make Jesus the head of your life, the forefront in everything you do. And when we truly live into the way of Jesus, then we can overcome hard times. Paul is also calling people to trust in God's word. And when he's referring to God's word here, what he's referring to is the gospel, the good news that Jesus is for everyone. 
as we come to the close of this series on holy habits, I want to leave you with something. I added verse 18 into our scripture today. Typically, verse 18 is not included with the armor of God passages, but I think it lands the plane for us pretty well. Verse 18 says, Offer prayers and petitions in the Spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As we move toward building these holy habits in our life, prayer, I believe, is the glue that holds us together. Not just as individuals, but also as a church, as a community of faith. Uh, Surgeon and biologist uh, Alexis Carroll says that prayer is the most powerful form of energy one can generate. Listen to what she says. She says, the influence of prayer on the human mind and body is as demonstrable as that of the secreting glands. Prayer is a force as real as terrestrial gravity. It supplies us with a flow of sustaining power in our daily lives. Prayer is what keeps us connected to each other. Yet prayer is one of the hardest of the spiritual disciplines to build into a habit. I want to ask Margaret Grubick to come up and and join me here on uh, the stage as we um, end this time. Margaret uh, does for us a uh, Wednesday noontime prayer in our sanctuary every every week. And it's also live streamed and put in podcast form so people can access it whenever they're needing to go to God in prayer. Um, And I wanted to chat with her about how we can move toward making prayer a uh, holy habit, if you will. And and Margaret, just to kind of start, why is prayer so difficult for so many people? I think there's a lot of different reasons why people find prayer difficult. One being maybe some preconceived notions or ideas of what it should look like, that it should be a certain length or have certain words or be prayed at a certain time of day. Um, And none of those things are true. Uh, Prayer can be done in numerous ways. And then I also think that it's difficult because it's something that we have to practice. It is a spiritual practice, a means of grace, a holy habit. So if you think about it, when a child is born, they aren't born with the ability to start talking. That would be rather strange, right? Um, They have to learn how to talk. They practice. If you are a parent, you probably sat in front of your kid going, Mama, or dada, dada, just waiting on them to say it. But they have to learn how to speak. And not just speak, but communicate. 
And that takes practice and that takes time. And prayer is how we communicate with God. And we are born, yes, with the ability to do that, but it's something that we have to practice. We have to nurture that ability to be in relation and communicate with God. Yeah, I love that. And the thought of when we've talked about habits, how that when you, the more you practice, the more it feels right. And I don't even like to use the word right, but, but the more natural maybe. Yeah, the more natural it feels. Um, We don't think about how we talk or communicate that much anymore, right? Because it's, we know how to speak. We know how to communicate, but a little child, that's completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the text that, that, verse on prayer, Paul says uh, to pray in the spirit all the time. And then in in Thessalonians, Paul's writings, it it says to pray without ceasing. What do you think that means? Well, I don't think it means that you have to go around talking to God all the time. (laughs) Definitely not that. Um, What I do think it means is making your life a prayer. So being a living prayer. Hmm. Henry Nowen describes prayer as living with God here and now. Yeah. So prayer is, it's living um, in a state that you are aware and attuned to God's presence and you are in communication with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that, that I like to talk about a lot when I preach is, and I call it bridging the gap, uh, which is making small changes. And when you do them consistently over time, that's what really causes transformation. Um, I was wondering if you could help us. Let's say someone has, this is a new habit for him, for them. That, that maybe the only time they pray is maybe in church or, or at dinner time or something like that. Uh, what can somebody do that is realistic and simple to help them build this prayer habit? Mm-hmm. Now, when you are making a new habit, you do have to be intentional. So keep that in mind in anything that you're trying. Um, one of Miss Melanie's favorite prayers is um, to pray before your feet hit the floor. So in the morning when you wake up, to just take half a second to, it can be a prayer of thanks, it can be a, God, I need you with me today, but just something before your feet even hit the floor. Um, Another one is one of our favorite things, which is gratitude. Mm -hmm. So you can keep a gratitude journal. Uh, Just writing down things that you are grateful for, even Mm -hmm. if you're not giving a long prayer with each one, just giving that thanks and gratitude, that's a prayer. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites is silence, which may seem scary or unattainable to some people, but start small. Start with two minutes where you sit in silence. I think a lot of times 
people feel like prayer needs to be filled with their words. But prayer is also a time for God to speak to us. And to be able to hear that, we need to be quiet. Mm. So silence is great. And then another easy practice that I love is called breath prayer. almost lost my seat there. Yeah. Um, it's called breath prayer. So breath prayer is praying in rhythm with your breath. And there's many different ways to do this. You can simply just make your you know, attention and mind focus on your breath, or you can think of a name for God, something that you want to call God, and then think of something that you need and put those together. So it could be when you breathe in, you say, Lord Jesus, and then when you breathe out, you say, peace. And then you just do your breath in and out, repeating whatever prayer it is that you need in that moment. Because God wants, God already knows what we need. Um, but God likes when we bring that into the time of prayer. Another way that you can use breath prayers is to pray the scripture. And this is really great because you can pick a scripture at the beginning of the day or the week or Lent whatever you want to do, and you can carry that scripture with you throughout your day and come back to it time and time again. So I have one that I would like us to try together just for a moment today, and I do have prayer cards for y'all to grab on the way out that has um, some instructions and ways that you can do this breath prayer on your own. Um, But we are going to practice right now a breath prayer based on John 3.30. So if you are willing, I would love for you to settle into a posture of prayer, whatever that may look like for you. And take a big, deep breath in. And out. Take another deep breath in, filling the goodness of Jesus, fill your body, and take a breath out, releasing any selfish ways within you. Breathe in, more of Jesus, and breathe out, less of me. Repeat that in your head, your own pace, more of Jesus, less of me, more of Jesus, less of me. Breathe in the breath of life. And let go of everything else. Take one more breath in. More of Jesus. And out. Less of me. Amen. My dear church family, this to me feels like embodying the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I hope... 
that you will take it with you as you leave this place. Let's thank Margaret for sharing with us today. Thank you. As we come to a place, as we worship through our giving, you know, the giggles and grace announcement I made about helping almost 100 families, that comes from your offering that our Mission in Action is able to provide funds to help people in need get things. And so when we give together, we're able to do so much as a community of faith. 